You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 138. For this edition of the podcast, I had the chance to chat with indie music legend John Vanderslice. John is well known for his work engineering records for bands like Spoon, Sleater Kinney, and Death Cab for Cutie at his all-analog studio, Tiny Telephone, in San Francisco. After two decades, he closed up shop at Tiny Telephone in San Francisco and relocated to Los Angeles, where he opened a new studio in a two-car garage called Grandma's Couch. In addition to his engineering work, John has recorded and released about a dozen records of his own material, and they've all been recorded on analog equipment. The pandemic-imposed lockdown forced John to experiment with computers and digital recording software like Ableton. The end result is his latest release, Eep. It's his first foray into the digital recording realm, and it's excellent. During our interview, we chatted about John's first experiences using digital recording software, how he uses his digital studio as an instrument, his favorite memories from Tiny Telephone San Francisco, his relationship with the late David Berman, and a whole lot more. We'll dive right into our interview after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look At My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look At My Records website where you can read reviews, including a review of John's awesome new EP, Eep. You can also check out premieres, playlists, print interviews, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. Hey, John, how are you? Nice to talk with you. It's great to talk with you, man. How are you? Good. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. Did we ever, did we meet ever at a show or anywhere? Or- no, I don't think so. I'm on, I'm based on the East Coast, but uh, I'm a fan, definitely. So it's really cool to to get to speak with you. That's awesome. Where, where do you live? Where's your world? I live in Jersey City, New Jersey. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, right outside of New York City. Yeah, so, I mean, that's where, yeah. like, uh, you know, Tom Sharpling and, and uh, some of my favorite. Yeah, yep, yep, best show. I'm a, I'm a crazy fan of best show. Cool. Do you still you still listen to the podcast? I know he kind of stopped recently, right? Yeah, you went on hiatus. He's doing Double Threat, which is really good. But he is, he's, I think he's writing a book right now. Wow. So, that's really fun. That's cool. Yeah, I, I, I'm obsessed. And I've, I've like become obsessed with like New Jersey just from listening to the best show and him and Worcester and the whole like universe that they've created, you know? Cool. Yeah, totally. It's a great place. You got to come visit someday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so congrats on the new EP. I've been listening to it. It's awesome. Called Eep. Everyone, it's out now. And you recently closed up the studio that you owned and operated, Tiny Telephone, in San Francisco. And you relocated to Los Angeles. Over the years, you worked with a lot of great artists there at Tiny Telephone in San Francisco. When you reflect on your time working there, what stands out to you? What moments do you remember? Well, I I think that it's, honestly, it's like a lot of the moments of like, of survival. You know, it's like we, I mean, there were, there were so, I mean, there were probably, there's records that are done. Like once in a while I'll be listening to a record and I'll like, I'll look up the credits and I'll be like, oh shit, that was done at Tiny Telephone. I don't even remember that shit happening, you know, because there was like thousands of records that, you know, for there were three rooms. I mean, we're now in, I'm in Oakland now. So this is Tiny Telephone Oakland. Thank God this still survived. But there was so much beautiful kind of like, we had so much traffic in for 22 years so it's kind of like amazing because like for um for for many years 
there it was like a haven for like we we'd say like sometimes our like the for me the perfect target band was like working class touring band that would come in and book like four five six seven days to make a full length record and like we could price that out where they could it was a repeatable thing they could make a record go on tour come back make a, make another record and we feel that we were part of this band's like career apparatus which was like exciting yeah yeah to me so bands can build a catalog and have like a dialogue with an audience. That's awesome. The, the things that I remember, Tom, most of the, those 22 years, believe it or not, are the, the moments where we were, and we had very tolerant landlords that put up with a lot of bullshit from us, but like we got so close to getting evicted because they were trying to develop that, that yard. It was yeah. called the farm and it was like a historically important kind of like weirdo anarchy land. And they had approved building plans, condos, like VC tech, kind of tech incubators. They had approved so many um, developments. And then we just literally were for months, we're like in, in this insomnia, insomnia state of like nervous panic. And then the board of supervisors voted on it or something happened where everything just got like dismantled. And so we survived like over and over again, this like, San Francisco development nightmare. And that was, that to me was the most surprising and like memorable thing that happened. It's very cool and it had such a long run and it's cool that the Oakland studio is still open. I just read that today. I thought both had closed. So it's cool that the Oakland one is still, still going strong. And so the move to LA, was that kind of bittersweet for you or were you ready for a change of scenery? I think it was bittersweet because I left a lot of friends in San Francisco, but they've like mostly seemed to move to LA. So it doesn't really, <laughs> really matter anymore. And like, I mean, the Bay Area has just lost like, like all of its artists. It's, it's just like a famously yeah. impossible place to live, you know? And I mean, I, I think that I, miss it less than I thought I was going to miss it just because simply because wherever you go, even if I move to Kansas City or Detroit or Athens, Georgia, I just think that you just look around you and you set up shop and you get involved and connected to wherever you are, yeah, you know? Totally. And so I think it's yeah. kind of doesn't really matter where I live, but LA suits me. I like hot weather and I, I find it to be a very social um, kind of community and I find it like it's very arts friendly and the food is really good I mean before COVID the restaurant scene was crazy good you know? oh yeah totally and you're opening a new studio with uh, I know Sammy and Spencer from yeah. Harry the Night Gowner involved and it's called Grandma's Couch yes what's are you kind of looking at that as a moving tiny telephone San Francisco to Los Angeles? Or are you approaching it differently? I think it's approaching different because Grandma's Couch is almost not, it's not really like a, it's not really set up to be like a commercial space only because it's built in a two car garage. So like, you know, just like look behind us, we probably have like 25 guitar amps in here and like tons of keyboards and just like stuff that, you know, sometimes with a recording studio, you need real estate. You know what I mean? You yeah. actually need like um, real space and air and dynamic um, uh, possibilities of a large room. But there's also stuff about having a two-car garage studio that's like more set up for like electronica, EDM, like drug music than anything else. And that has its own value because the clock isn't really ticking in a space like that. It's way more modest. And you can experiment. I mean, the whole EP I made was in that garage. And like, there's there's something about being in this studio that I like, and there's something about that I don't like because it's it is a you you're running up a budget when you go into a big room, and sometimes that can be sometimes it can like change your catalog in positive ways, and other times it can kind of just like strangle you. I mean, it's it's like you have to be really careful, you know. Yeah. So for the EP, you recorded it entirely on a computer which you were basically forced to do because of the pandemic yeah. but were you also happy to accept that challenge yeah. because of the way you've been recording for your entire career on analog equipment yeah i mean i'm i'm like a really odd person in that i'm incredibly sentimental up until the point where there's like a disconnection and then i don't care anymore do you know what i mean like i'm yeah. i'm completely i was completely willing to like disengage from analog recording 
the second that I got digital, I mean, the problem for me with starting to record digitally is that I was, I'm listening to a lot of like rival consoles and Autechre and like Lorenzo Senni and stuff like that. And like, when you're starting to do shit on your own, it doesn't, your stuff doesn't sound like that. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's yeah, like yeah. very unflattering. So that was the tough transition for me was, was like, trying to make digital stuff sound as good as what I listen to. And what's what's really weird about my analog obsessions, like most of what I listen to is electronic or, or rap music. So for, for, for decades, I've kind of been like all in on the idea of like digital being completely fine as a format. But in the studio here, you know, up against like Studer tape machines, you digital, you just have to like make everything sound as good as like what you're used to the benchmark of like two inch tape you know so there was something freeing about being at home on a computer where i didn't i wasn't worried about fidelity in the same way and worrying about technical considerations can be a total buzzkill you know what i mean it's like yeah. it's like it's it's better to play like grand theft auto at home if you're like super high than actually driving your own car <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah, totally. Although driving when totally. you're high is really fun too, you know. But like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's an adventure. It's a- so, <laughs> so recording digitally, it's not something you like actively avoided for yeah. leading up to this. I I would say this that like I did kind of like I'm not going to say I was a snob because I'm a complicated person, but I would say that I just wasn't getting I wasn't hearing the same level of results, and then. That changed. The more, the more I got into like the dark, the like the weirder parts of like electronic music. You know, like really, it was the NTS Autechre record that kind of changed my life. I was just like, this is like the best sounding shit I've ever heard. And like the later Mode Selector stuff, I just, I was hearing stuff that was like so good that was like purely disconnected from analog recording. Because like even Radiohead and shit, those are all hybrid recordings. And like, yeah, yeah. They're all complicated, expensive recordings. And there was something about hearing stuff that was done in people's bedrooms on a laptop that was really inspiring to me where I just, I just like kind of like cut, I just stopped caring about Fidelity in the same way. Cool. And what what type of setup did you use for this EP recording wise? Well, it's, it's all on Ableton's. I mean, I'm basically just like watching like rap producer videos about how they make music and then just like literally <laughs> stealing everything that I can get from these like Timber Timberland or like uh you know like like Kenny Beats, whatever it is, like taking away everything, every cheat code and every fucking like plug-in preference or or like or like mixing thing that I can get from rap people and then just like throwing it into my weird corner of like art music. You know, so like cause because that's the to me that's the benchmark of like really good sounding stuff is like contemporary rap and, and like, you know, EDM stuff. So like, I just simply would like watch all these t- like recording tutorials like day and night and then just like record and then bring it into my house, listen to my stereo and then just throw away. I threw away like so many songs because it's, it's a, it's a different language, you know, it's a whole different process. Yeah, and you've remarked in the past, and I know people that use analog studios and work in analog studios that really use the studio as an instrument. Yes, yeah. And I'm curious about how you were able to take maybe lessons you learned from using analog studio as an instrument to the digital realm, and what are some of the similarities and differences in that respect? Yeah, I mean, I think that like the main thing was that you were you're basically inside of a computer and there's like a Tron element to that. You know what I mean? Like you're just like yeah, yeah, a yeah. disconnected body at some point. And I'm used to like, I'm used to playing a lot of instruments, but I kind of, again, that Autechre record, it, because so much of that NTS record is like automated. I don't know if you, have you ever heard that record before? I think you'd find it interesting. Yeah, I got to check it out. I haven't heard it. It's, it's like, it's almost like six hours. It's like a, it's like a four record set they did for NTS radio. And it's, it's almost sounds like it's like computer this it's not, I mean, clearly they're, they're like geniuses, but it sounds like it's like perfect music. That's like kind of like helped by a human, but is in the end, it sounds like AI. It just, it doesn't, the moves are not really musical. Like there's not like compositional or, um, arrangement maneuvers that you would hear in let's say Aphex Twin or Mode Selector or something like that, like, or John Hopkins. Like it's, 
it's almost feels like a computer is running the fucking table. And so you'd have like a 18 minute song that's at like 52 beats per minute. Like it's just very illogical. You know what I mean? Like, but there's something about that that kind of like, it kind of like made me not want to, it made me want to limit the amount of performances that were on my music. So like I started wanting not to have like, not only guitar and like actually like, but actually anything played that wasn't like sequenced or that wasn't being driven by some kind of like computer directive or by a plugin. So I became, I wanted to devalue acoustic electric, electric instruments. I wanted to de devalue like pure singing to like tell a story. And I wanted to devalue um, like, cont like contemporary song structure. Now, all of this stuff is for better, for worse. I mean, I wouldn't, if someone came up to me and they were like, I don't like anything that you're doing now. And I liked the stuff that you were doing five years ago. I'd be like, that's awesome. Like, great. Like, 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 <laughs> like not in, and in no way dismissive about that, because I don't, I just think it's like, you're on your own trip and you better start to reject your own rules if you're going to stay inspired, you know? And like, yeah, that's totally part about part of being an artist. Yeah, you you have to like kind of like keep overturning these like these systems, or you're just going to become like concrete. You know what I mean? Like, it will not. You won't have any like you won't have any movement at all. So like, I I became inspired by like I, I made twelve records. It doesn't matter what I do anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, I felt very free. Yeah. Like, I really don't. I don't care if anyone likes anything I do in a way that I honestly wouldn't have said that five years ago. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I like criticism and I like being in, involved in like an audience and having people pay attention to what I do. But at some point, if you're going to like, if you're going to keep making music that you like, you're going to have to disconnect from an audience in, in some ways and from expectations. So all that stuff was really helpful for me to, to like start writing and recording music that was very different for me. Cool. So it sounds like a very positive experience creatively for you. So you going forward for future projects, you're looking to incorporate some of the things you did on this yeah. EP yeah. into your future works. Like it changed my life. But what's cool is that I'm working the two, the people that I'm working with, Rob Shelton and Jamie Rado. So I'm, I'm making an, an, a, like another record in tonight's health on Oakland. And we're now we're making a record that's like, it is a completely new experience for all of us because we're now, it's hybrid, it's digital. And so the people that I'm working with now, they're really, really smart and they totally get it when I, what I'm saying. They're like, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to actually play anything. So in other words, there's a song that we just did where I was playing acoustic guitar. And what the, and so I was just like, I don't want anything performed. So I want the acoustic guitar to be sampled and then played on a keyboard, but have the same chord progression more or less in place. So it sounds like, it ends up sounding like a broken lost recording from like the 60s because it's all murky and submarine-y, but it's also yeah. fragmented, like the tape is broken. So it's just, we're trying to like put limitations in place and then see what we can make that's new, you know? Very cool. And I wanted to ask you specifically about the song on the EP, Lure Mice Condemn Erase, which you received some inspiration, I guess, a songwriting and lyric formula for from David Berman. Yeah. And, you know, it was such a devastating loss when he passed away last year. I was just curious, what, what type of relationship did you have with David Berman? So I, I, I started reaching out to him. The artist that does all my artwork, Joe Williams, had been in like an email correspondence with him. And <clears throat> I think it was like Natural Bridge was the record that, that did it. Yeah, Either the records before that, record. but it was like when Natural Bridge got into my head, I was like, this is like everything that I want out of music. And it's funny because in many ways, it's like the opposite kind of music that I make now. You know what I mean? It's like the exact opposite yeah. because it's just, it's like the most simple presentation of like almost classic songwriting with fucking unbelievable lyrics and narratives and like so when that when natural bridge hit me i asked joe if i could like if he could put me in touch with 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 david and i, I felt like kind of awkward i don't really reach out to people that much you know and like yeah and also usually there's a lot of people in your like 
because I own studios, there's just a lot of people that are in there that are come through. Yeah. Kind of natural, right? But I don't really like cold email people, you know? And so I emailed him and then we started like loosely corresponding and then um, we started pen palling each other and then he would send me, he was obsessed with like wrestling photos from like the 60s and 70s. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So he'd send me like these rest great like wrestling photos and like he'd send me uh, postcards and I would send him records and I don't know, ideas, stuff I was working on. He sent me a whole list of, of titles to use, which was amazing. So I used a lot of those titles on a bunch of records. And then he would come and see me at shows. So like, you know, we had this very long correspondence. He asked me twice to produce a record for him. And the last time was Purple Mountains. And we just, it just didn't work out budget wise. And then he hooked yeah. up with all the Woods people, which was great. I know them, they're awesome. Like, so we had this long correspondence and we, I probably met him and I saw him play in San Francisco. So I don't know, I probably met him a half a dozen times, took his photo, but we had extensive emails about the writing process and the creative process. And he just sent me this like very interesting kind of like, like sheet, uh, like template that where you're basically using, like you're starting with like Latin words and you're breaking them up into chunks of like six to eight letters and then reversing the letters and then spell checking, reversing the letters, spell checking. <laughs> it's cool. like magic, like kind of, yeah. like, it's a fucking blender, you know? And it's like a word blender. And then you keep, you keep um, word checking, spell checking until Word Microsoft Word, which is a very smart program on a certain level and also a very stupid program. It is forced to create words knowable words in the microsoft dictionary based on like nonsense and so wow. what's interesting is that you get word combinations that are crazy right so like for instance <laughs> yeah. so i'm scanning this document that i make so i make them all the time yeah. and i was scanning this document that was like thousands of words and then there's like lure mice condemn erase and i'm like fuck that's like so <laughs> fucking good man and it's just like Microsoft Word wrote it. You know what I mean? Like I just kept throwing garbage at it. You know what I mean? And like, so it's 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 wild. Like what happened? You know? But that's, that's that cool. that was from 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 David. But when listen, when that shit went down with his death, man, I, I don't. I honestly don't think I'm ever gonna be right again. And it's like like yeah. I, I think that like there's two levels. There's there's. There's the regret of not like, oh, I should have been in touch with someone more. The second they're fucking disappear from this planet, you're just like in a spiral of regret. Yeah. Like when my mom died, I just went fucking crazy. But like, yeah. so there's that like spiraling thing, right? But then there's also the, the amount of depression that we all have as creative people and how much suicidal ideation we've all had as creative people. Yeah. And then there's that yeah. like feeling of God, of like, God damn it. Like, we, any of us can go off the fucking rails like at any time, yeah. any of us. And it makes you feel uh, vulnerable, crazier, sadder. And like those records changed my life. And we don't, we don't need to lose any creative people, you know? I completely agree. Really powerful. Um, the, this, yeah, incredible that's really really powerful stuff and it was so devastating very very sad yeah, just, to lose him and then you know it's wild is like think of all the shitty things that have happened since that <laughs> yeah I mean, like like literally like like this has just been like this is i mean we're in right now in california there's like you know a hundred wildfires going on and it's Fires, like yeah. it looks like fucking just like yesterday it really looks like blade hunter 2049 i mean it's like Wow. terrible air quality and it's like this is just the beginning of fire season you know so it's like it just is only so much you can take you know yeah that's crazy we live in a fucked up world right now yeah the um but the song specifically is about creating your own cult as curious what would you call your cult if you had one and what do you think it would be like what's wild is that i think that it would like I think just my own personality, I have like Dutch blood, I, I am a, like, like in some ways I'm kind of an anarchist, like an, I'm an emotional anarchist, like I, I like the idea of, I have a very high tolerance for what other people do, and I don't really feel the need to guide 
Well, I mean, I think that probably the studio is like a cult in some ways. So yeah, <laughs> you really have elements of like manipulative behavior and like you know what I mean. If you're going to crowd a bunch of creative people, you have to you have to be able to like like instill some kind of order out of anarchy. So I think that like maybe that would be my talent is like that the the cult would have like a wide kind of like variance of behaviors and like what it expects from people but that there would be there would have to be some kind of core things i mean i think that like the easiest thing is that everyone's on some weird like like plot of land doing some kind of joint activity i mean that feels like every cult has that you know what i mean <laughs> Osha, Oleko, like there's all these like compound kind of like mentalities that seep in and like i I think for me, it would be like a creative cult. It would be like, you know, it'd be really cool is having like a, like a 20, 30 piece band, like a large ensemble of almost like free playing inside of like certain systems, you know? So there's like anarchy, but there are some like, some like, you know, like roads and templates, you know, to use. Um, but as far as people like, like controlling, I don't think I would be a good cult leader in, in a way that I don't care enough about money. And I don't care enough yeah. about like telling people what not to do. So I yeah. think that like I would probably be bad because classic cults are like they're all like scammers and they're all sociopaths and psychopaths, you know. Totally. I don't think I would rise to that level. So it would be small and poor. All right, everyone, we're gonna play some songs from the new John Vanderslice EP now. It's called Eep and it's available on all streaming platforms. You can also get it at johnvanderslice.bandcamp.com. We're gonna play Lure Mice Condemn Erase, which we just talked about, Song for Leopold, Team Stammer, Savior Machine, and Song for Jamie Cena, and we'll be right back. Solar wealth and a solar ray. Fifty-one acres in a crystal lake. We're so glad you're here. Here on the land, the party rolls on. We'll top your glass if you stay upright. Wait on the grass under the pale blue lights We're so glad you're Show you the truth. 
Jamie, Jamie. 
I reject the idea that this is only a simulation Cause I once cut my hand real bad Working at the solid station And it was real blood All over the cutting board And it was real pain It was all I could afford It was real flesh We have to learn We're back. We just heard four songs from John's brand new EP. Eep. We heard Lore, Mice, Condemn, Erase, Song for Leopold, Team Stammer, Savior Machine, and Song for Jamie Cena. Again, everyone, you can listen to the EP on your streaming platform of choice. You could also get it at johnvanderslice.bandcamp.com. Now, we're going to play some records from our record collection that John picked. John, I'm curious. You made some great picks. Did you work on any of these records that you picked? I didn't, but I'm obsessed with all those. I mean, first off, your record collection. I could have I could have just stayed on page one on the Discogs link and just done all the... I mean, it's like there were so many records that I loved on there that like... But it, but but Hyp- Hypnic Jerks was... I just... I saw them open for Palm... And I think that Hypnic Jerks just cut, had just come out and I hadn't heard it yet. And so when I saw them play, I was like fucking blown away. That was like great band. really changed me. I was like, this is everything I love in music. And I got obsessed with Hypnic Jerks. And I, I think it's like, I think it's a perfect album, actually. So I could have. It's a very, very it, good album. Yeah. That record, but I think it's perfect. And Porches, Ricky Music, Do You Wanna? I mean, I think that that. Like there's something about porches where my friends don't really buy into porches. I like they or they like the first record and then like got off the train. I'm like, man, this guy's legit. First off, he has some of the best melody lines, some of the best pure songwriting. Just like from a technical standpoint of like, whoa, that fucking key change on the bridge was absolute. This is some fucking like 10 pan alley shit. Like he is so elevated in just like his technical abilities as a songwriter. He's also an underrated engineer. I think his stuff sounds good. But I I mean, that do you want to dance? It's like it sounds like a again, it could it's it's like a a, it could be in like a musical or something like it's, it's like technically perfect songwriting. And like that's, I like kind of weird, fucked up music, but I also like, like, like really, really good, technically correct songwriting because that's absolutely, yeah. Next, Lomelda, great LA-based band. Thanks, Interstate Vision. Saw them when they played in Jersey City about two years ago, and it was great. It was my first time listening to them. Probably top five for me in the past two years would be Lomelda. Like I think that. And I, I saw her recently play solo, and I started crying during the show because she was she was playing a lot of M for Empathy, and I, that was really my favorite record from that year. You know, that and the Billy Woods record, and the Slauson Malone record for 2019 were my three favorite records. And I just think her her there's harmonic sensibility that she has that's very unusual. Like first off, she's a very 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 good guitar player. Like probably one of my favorite guitar players of all time if you see her play you saw her playing live like her her harmonic language is very original to her like that you don't see that very often you know and what i like about that song that i met i think it's called interstate vision is that i like don't remind me i love that that those very melody lines i mean that is some crazy shit genius yeah 
Robin Hitchcock, I Flesh Cartoons, incredible song, incredible record. I'm a giant, giant Robin Hitchcock fan. I see him every time he comes through New York. So this year has been a little lacking for me because no live music means no Robin Hitchcock. I know. And I'm just 100%. like a massive, massive fan. And and I is like an odd record. And I think it's like one of the only like true solo records he, that he made, right? Like it's yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like when he tr- he's transitioning to doing more acoustic, yeah. uh, folky stuff. And he did it in San Francisco at Hyde Street. I think it's a... Yes, yes. And it's like, it's just like a lot of, it's like... To me, it's like very distilled Robin Hitchcock alone with an engineer, and that's it. And it's just like wildly creative, inventive, and like the melody, like Linktus House. House. I mean, there's like melody lines in the aquarium about the Monterey Bay Aquarium, like amazingly beautiful songwriting. Totally. And then Eleanor Friedberger, Last Summer, Scenes from Benson Hurst. Again, perfect record, perfect top to bottom, like. Like that record as a statement, as a, as a die, as like a series of diary entries, as a very confessional and like, and vulnerable, generous album. It's, it's flawless. I mean, to me, it's, I, I, I like, even and the recording is, 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 is super. It's that record. I, I get, I get chills thinking about it. I mean, I've, I've listened to that record hundreds of times. Yeah. It's a really great record. I'm a big fan of Eleanor Freeburgers. And I was happy to see Finery, fiery furnaces putting out some new stuff. Oh, they did. So Shit. Excited about that. that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So that's cool. Sick. All right. So we're going to play John's picks. We have spirit of the beehive porches, Lomelda, Robin Hitchcock, and Eleanor Friedberger, and we'll be back.
Then I sing my last song at triple play. Do you wanna dance or do you wanna? Do you wanna dance? I couldn't find a reason to stay in here. I think I wanna dance or do you wanna? Do you wanna dance or try to fuck my eyes out to turn them in? I think I wanna dance or do you wanna? Do you wanna dance? I am so happy I could die. Happy I could die. Happy I could die. But I just wanna watch you live. I think I wanna dance. Or do you wanna? Hope you wanna dance. And then I think about you and your friends. And do they wanna dance? I bet they wanna. Bet they wanna.
sky I've seen her laughing But I never seen her cry She took a fireman It was a half empty flight He brought his hose in Everything just turned out right I'm just watching German leather A German tongue Lapping pleasure When he's robbery and young He played the oboe I thought he would He does it better Than a guitarist like me could I'm just watching Don't mind me I'm just watching On my own Flesh Cartoons Flesh Cartoons Life is easy Life goes by Linda Ryan She's still up there in the sky Thank you, Linda She doesn't age Despite the weather She looks the same on every page I'm just watching Don't mind me I'm just watching on my own I got no feelings I got no friends I've got insurance Despise those who pretend Life's a movie Life's a dream I love you, baby Things are always what they seem I'm just watching Don't mind me I'm just watching on my own Cartoons Flesh Cartoons Loony, oh, loony, oh, loony, oh, loony, oh Yeah, I said loony, oh, loony, oh, loony, oh, loony, oh Whoa, I said loony, oh, loony, oh, loony, oh, loony, oh Yeah, I said loony, oh, 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 loony, oh
He shaved off his beard And saw the girl who played with fire back we heard john's record picks we heard hypnic jerks by spirit of the beehive the title track off of their record hypnic jerks we heard do you wanna by porches off of ricky music interstate vision off of thanks by lomelda flesh cartoons by the one and only robin hitchcock off of i and last But not least, we heard Scenes from Bensonhurst off of Last Summer by Eleanor Friedberger. Unfortunately, we're coming to the end of the show. Everyone, John's new EP, Eep, is incredible. It's available on all streaming platforms. You could also get it at johnvanderslice.bandcamp.com. Highly encourage everyone to do that. John, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. It was a real pleasure chatting with you. Oh yeah, Tom, do you want me to play one? Do you want me to play one song? Oh yeah, if you want to play a song, that'd be incredible. Yeah, I would love to play you one song from me to you, my friend. Okay, I'm gonna put. I'll play a song from uh, from the Cedars. Um, this cool. is uh, this is called uh, I Got Shit to Lose. No, I'm sorry. This is uh, I'll wait for you. Awesome. Um, I'll play. This is a better song.
I'll wait for you Just stay strong, stay true It's a miracle I'm not a drug addict It's a shame I'm still hard at it But damn it sure to I got you into this, and I, I can't get you out of this, I'm always gonna Nothing you can't get through Don't bring home that 12 step shit out Sink that shit What else can I do? See on the fringes of legality. That's where I'll be. It's a miracle I'm not a drug addict. But you know me, I'm still hard eyed. But damn it, sure to Part of me I stashed away from you. That last that Thank you, Tom. That was incredible. Thank you so much. That was really a treat. I really appreciate that. I had a great, great time talking with you, man. And, and, and listen, this all this COVID shit is going to end at some point. And uh, I will see you in northern New Jersey. I guarantee I'll play a show there. I'll yeah, or L.A. I I'm, I'm hope to come back to L.A. soon. I love the city. I, I will look I will up. Cool. Awesome. I can't wait. Thank you so much. Congrats on the new EP. I love it. It's Thanks, incredible. Buddy. It's Thanks, awesome. Tom. Again, everyone, you can get it at johnvanderslice.bandcamp.com or listen to it on your streaming platform of choice. Let's play one more song from the EP to end the show. We're going to play the first track. It's called XXXX. Uh. 